be fearless in your authenticity. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it right. But either way, it's like who you are. another episode of Live Your Truth Now. I'm Katie D'Andrea, and this is an episode that I am doing without my partner, Mike Liguori. He is busy doing some other crazy business thing right now. And so I get to take the stage and have a beautiful conversation with a former colleague and a friend named Becca Keedy. So before we dive into this juicy conversation, and I swear it is one that you will all want to listen to every single second of, I want to thank our sponsor, Arlisol Visualize Innovation. Arlisol is a strategy consulting firm that gives people the courage to be creative, inspired, and take action in business. Arlisol helps your teams and leaders execute clear, defined, and meaningful goals with confidence. Check out how you can use Arlisol and their sweet spot of using strategic illustration and battle-tested business tools by visiting Arlisol, A-R-L-O-S-O-U-L.com today. So without further ado, I am so excited, Becca, to have you on this conversation. You are someone I have admired for over the past two years working at Bunker Labs. And so before we kick off our conversation, I want to give you all a little bit of a background of who Becca is and how she shows up in the world because she's extraordinary. So Becca Keedy is currently serving as the Chief Development Officer at Bunker Labs, a national nonprofit that supports veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. She has over 20 years of experience in marketing, events, and building startups at nonprofits. She is a retired Army National Guard veteran. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. And she has 20 years of experience serving the state of Wisconsin. Becca is famous for her proliferation of reading. I I think you read a book every week, don't you not? Uh, Pretty close, yep. (laughs) Pretty close. She's a mother to five, three humans, and two canines, and she's a wife to a first responder in Chicago. And she is so much more than all of that. So, Becca, it is truly (laughs) an honor to have you. I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you for showing up and being your smiling, beautiful self. Oh, thank you, Katie. I am so excited to be here. Can't wait to chat with you. Yeah. So let's see, to kick it off, I want to ask you what Mm -hmm. living your truth means to you as an individual and an entrepreneur and someone in business. That is a great question. You know, I think living my truth to me really can be sort of summarized into two words. And it's been something that's kind of followed me for a really, really long time. And it happens to be part of the core values of the nonprofit that I work in now. Um, And that's really just essentially boils down into being fearlessly authentic. You know, I think that when you try to be anything other than just your true self in every moment that you show up, either as a, a person, as a parent, as an entrepreneur, you know, if you, if you could feel good and be fearless in your authenticity, then I think that's really when the magic happens around you. You're going to start attracting people to you. You're going to start attracting the different types of business partners that you want to be with. But yeah, just be fearless in your authenticity. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it right. But either way, it's like who you are. That's awesome. And I'm, I can't help but thinking like with your experience serving in the military and then in the army national guard, there must've been times where you may have not felt like that fearless authenticity was welcomed. 
Yeah. You know, I think that there were probably, there are definitely a couple of different key points that I can, I can see. And I think what's important to note is that sometimes you may not know your authentic self and it takes time to grow into that. You know, I think that it, it takes, it takes time. It takes taking risks in your life. You know, I was 17 years old when I enlisted in the army. Like I had no idea what I was doing or I was getting myself into. I am from a super small town. You know, I left to go to basic training, you know, in the military in South Carolina. I'm from a very small town in Northern Wisconsin. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And I showed up as, you know, (laughs) I was very fearful. (laughs) Let's be honest. I was very, very fearful, but um, I showed up who I was. And I, I, la- I actually laugh now thinking about it because my drill sergeants always called me Private Smiley because <laughs> I, I just was that. smiling all the time. And I was cracking jokes because I use humor as a coping mechanism. <laughs> and I just was laughing and smiling and laughing all the time. And they just could not crack me and they couldn't figure it out. But then I think they realized you know, like, you know, like we're going to try to break her down, but she's going to always just be laughing and smiling, you know, and they hated it. They just hated that. I was always like, okay, one more push-up drill sergeant, you know, but it takes time. Like you're not going to always know what it is, but if you, if you focus on being authentic to yourself and approaching life without fear, those two are going to eventually come together and you're going to learn a lot of lessons from it. Mm. I actually have a different relationship with fear. I think fear mm-hmm. is an indicator of where I'm growing. And so I actually relish fear mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, shit, Katie, like you are in the deep end. You are swimming in a place that you've never been before. And as someone who's addicted to growth, probably too much, <laughs> fear is very much my friend. And we have an awesome podcast episode with our friend Akshay Nanavani about fear. And so I'll have to send it to you, Becca, because he is like next level fear freak. Like Mm -hmm. he would drive the military crazy because he'll do the crazy (laughs) stuff. (laughs) But yeah, I'm like, since our commonality is bunker labs, I'm so curious Mm -hmm. as the chief development officer, the woman who brings in the big bucks, like you are extraordinary in your role. What do you want to tell us about being part of bunker labs since the beginning and like being like one of the, the founding members to growing this organization, which is now impacting thousands of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, me landing there was just the right place and the right time. I was getting ready to retire from the military. I was kind of at the end of the season of a job that I had and was not feeling fulfilled and had sort of done where the thing where all good things start was I Googled like how to volunteer with veterans in Chicago and bunker labs popped up. And so, you know, volunteered, did some networking, was in the right place at the right time. Um, but I think that, you know, Bunker Labs isn't my first entrepreneurial journey or my first startup. And so I feel like when I went into it, I really had the confidence of my skill set and everything I brought to the table. And that really helped me just get really excited and throw all of my passion into the work right away. I would say that it's been a roller coaster, like all startups are. I wouldn't change. I would not change a thing. I have learned so much about myself and about others. I've grown so much as a leader, like exponentially in the past six years, more than I have in any other role or in any other time in my life. And I really think that, you know, if I were to say that the secret or the the components of Bunker Lab's success in general, 
and secondarily in our fundraising, which is the part that I lead, is just, again, leading with, you know, authenticity, having a passion for your purpose, leading alongside other incredible leaders. Like the team that I work with at Bunker Labs is unparalleled. There is, you know, there's just so much commonality from having served in the military. And I think that all gels and how we lead. And then I think it's also just like really focusing on being strong leaders and just being really open and honest with our strengths and our weaknesses. You know, we we aren't out here trying to say we're doing more or doing less, but with our funders especially and with the people we serve, we're just trying to really be open and honest about the journey because that's entrepreneurship. You have to be able to be open and honest. Mm-hmm. And I gravitate so I, I gravitated and still gravitate towards you, Becca, because I love how you show up as like for me, it's just a real human. Whereas like in other corporate settings I've been in, people are pretty sterile. They're not like they're their business persona. And I always wanted to work with you because you made me laugh. You made me cry. Like you were shamelessly and fearlessly authentic. And I'm so curious to see for those that are grappling with their own leadership style is like, what, I guess, what works for you as a leader and what would, like, what would you recommend for other people to start to tap into their specific flavor of leadership that is effective and attractive to others? Well, thank you for saying all those things. And I hope I made you cry happy too. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, no, I'm going to so you cry. <laughs> like you just make work so fun. And like most people don't. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I, you know, I would say that again, it, this just goes back to authenticity. Like I just, I, I think that if you don't just show up as your true self, you're, you're holding back a part of you that is keeping you from being the leader that you are here to be. And I think we need all types of leaders, right? Like, I don't know that my style is going to work or the way that I show up is going to work for every organization, for every team. And I would just say for people to just kind of lighten up, like we don't need to take everything so seriously. Like, yes, there are serious moments. Yes. There are moments that require like, you know, grave seriousness. But for the most part, work should be enjoyed. And I think we need to let ourselves, like, let it go a little bit more. And I think, if anything, this past year, people's work or their personal lives have crept in so much and their dogs. to their Zoom, to their work life, into their Zoom life that we've gotten to see and experience each other in so many more vulnerable ways than we normally have. But I think that that's been really interesting. You know, like, how are you dealing with your dog licking your face every two seconds? How are you dealing with your six-year-old running into every meeting in his underwear asking for a snack? Like, how are you dealing with, you know, you kind of got to realize how you're going to show up in that moment. But yeah, I guess I would just say really, truly show up as you are. Don't be afraid to just kind of relax and have fun with it and connect with the people that you work with and for, um, and just more of a, in a fun way, like, why not? Yeah, I agree 100%. And for like, for those that are sort of grappling with their current roles in organizations and they feel unseen and unheard, like that's not atypical, right? It just also means that you are in an environment that isn't in alignment with you. Like I always felt like Mm -hmm. I had to sort of dress up for work because I have a very, like, I'm very much the same, no matter what, context I'm Mm -hmm. in. 
And so Mm -hmm. the older I've gotten and the more I've come to really appreciate myself and love myself and trust myself and be proud of who I am. Like the more I show up this way with whoever I'm with. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a pretty special thing and something I wish I could go back and tell myself in high school, maybe, maybe even middle school. Like Katie, you are who you are. Just like own that shit. (laughs) Well, and can I just say for a second that I just find and then this is going to make me sound like I'm 90 and I'm you know closer <laughs> to closer to half that but I am just so proud of young women and how they are coming into this world like how they are coming in and up through this world because it I can't even just tell you how much it warms my heart and how I'm getting tears in my eyes now so we're even that you are saying this like god I wish I would have told myself at this in high school like I'm starting to figure this out now at 42. And so I am so lucky to be amongst you. There's a, a, you know, a handful of other young women in my life that I'm just like, Oh, you guys are doing such a great job and keep going because it's just, that just warms my heart so much to see how women are, young women are approaching this and figuring all this out way earlier than I did or am. Yeah. And my, thank you. And the counter argument I would make is that it's an appreciative process. Yes. Right. Like I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't had done it. And if the people before you hadn't have done it. And so like, yes, I think it is a blessing of being born in, let's say 1991. (laughs) Right. But, Oh yeah. Now I'm getting teary. Yeah. I love it. It means a lot to me. It's It's awesome. awesome. It's so good to see. Yeah. It's so cool. I want to go back to fundraising because you yeah. are so talented at fundraising. And I'm, I would love, if you want to brag about how much you've raised for Bunker Lab, just to give people a context of just like your skills. <laughs> oh, with hard Z. for me. <laughs> I know, yeah. but take up your space. Like if you want to take yeah. it up, take it up. So I'm curious to see like, if you could give people advice or suggestions or tactics for how to more successfully raise funds for their business. And you could do mm-hmm. it for like, as if you're raising money for your own business or something like if you're working for a bunker labs and you're sort of an entrepreneur within the system, what does mm-hmm. that look like? And what, what makes you and your team Becca so successful at fundraising? And what are some key takeaways that people can walk away with to enhance their own capacity? Sure. Yeah. I would say that some of the key elements for being successful in fundraising are, you know, the common one that we all, all know is not being afraid of rejection. So getting comfortable, asking for money is the first thing and getting comfortable with the no. And that's, that's sort of the first step is like, can you ask for it? And is what you are asking for deeply meaningful to you? So I would say that, you know, those are uh, two key things that I would, I would start considering. And how do you know how much to ask and from whom to ask? Sure. I would say that you you need to do some research on the who to ask and the how much to ask, Um, depending on what sector you're in, what type of money you're asking for. You really need to do your research to determine what is the thing that you have worth. And then also from what type of funding you're looking to get, what have types of levels of funding have they given in the past for something similar to you? So I I know I'm speaking in a lot of generalities and that seems pretty basic. Yeah. But, you know, having a baseline understanding is going to get you to a better conversation sooner because you're going to have confidence in what you're selling and the person that you're asking for the money 
from is going to know that you've done your homework and you're speaking, you know, within the realm that they have the means to give. That's brilliant. I love having that sort of like that background context and understanding. So you have like a platform to stand on and how do you invite someone into that conversation? Like, let's say you've never raised money before for your business. And this is the first time, like, what does that initial outreach look like? What do you have to say? Yeah. So I would just really, you know, I know this podcast is about stories. We've uncovered that I'm in, in, you know, a insane reader. Uh, you know, I draft it as a story. And I think that you learn about storytelling and you learn about how to write stories when you're in school. But I think you need to draft an outline for the conversation. So you want to really think about, you know, the beginning of your pitch or your story and really just talking about them first. You know, I understand that you are doing these three things. I understand that you maybe have these two or three goals. Is that correct? Then let them do the talking. Let them tell you about what their goals are. Then you can say, well, that's incredible because what I'm trying to do is this, or I have this product. And then you are prepared with your research to align what you are doing, what you have to sell, what nonprofit you're starting with their goals. And then you have to make an ask. You have to, at some point, make an ask. And maybe that first ask is, would you mind taking a look at some of the materials? Would you mind watching this video about my product or the person I've served? And then would you consider supporting this? You know, I think a lot of times you can run the risk of not making the ask soon enough. If you've done the research, ask early and ask often Mm -hmm. because it's going to You'll either get it to a no faster, which will get you moving on to your next person, or you'll get more context that will help you eventually get the sale. I love that. And I love sort of going in and treating them as a human, right? Using the power of empathy, right? Stepping into their shoes. Like, what do they care about? What are their pain points? What are their vision, mission, and dreams personally and professionally? Like, these are, I don't, I mean there's kind of the secret sauce. And I don't think I, I was never taught this when I was in marketing and PR and communications or, or in college. Right. And, but like the more I talk with people and the more I do personal development, the more I realize we're just humans. Right. And so if you can treat mm-hmm. someone like a human and honor them as a human, no matter if you're asking them for money or, mm-hmm. you know, looking to hire someone, I think that is always the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to you want to really spend some time considering all of the things. One of the things I think we do a lot of fundraising at Bunker Labs from corporations and corporate foundations, mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of time thinking about and anticipating the needs of a large corporation or a large corporate foundation. And I think that's one of the main reasons, you know, why we've been so successful in the fundraising piece of it is that we know corporations are huge silos. We know how to work efficiently within those. We know that they're going to want to tell their story. We know that they have restrictions. Like there's just, you have to anticipate their needs and then connect them to the cause. Mm. And if you can do both of those things, and again, I'm speaking from a nonprofit, but your cause could be your business or your product. And then continue the relationship. It goes beyond just the sale. You have to, you know, cultivate the relationship. You have to be open and honest when things are going correct. Nobody wants somebody that's just like blowing smoke up your ass. Like you, they want you to be honest. They want you, especially in the nonprofit sense, like it's not going to always go perfectly. And funders don't expect it to. They want to know the challenges and the growth 
and the pivots that you're making to continue to serve your community. So yeah, you have to just, you have to be honest and you have to be authentic. I love that. Um, what you just said about having like showing your work. And that's a conversation I had with Devin Sizer a lot when I was helping her with grants is like, oh, it's yeah. like proofs. We have to show what we've been doing, right? Because there is no expectation yeah. that of perfection because we yeah. are humans in business and especially with a nonprofit serving other humans, like things change. And so yeah. that was one huge thing I, I learned is just like keep people updated. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was a mistake I made. I'm curious to see what you see other, like other mistakes that people might make when doing fundraising for their own business or an organization. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest mistake is, is not finding that values alignment. And I think that speaks into the research and to making the correct ask, but not all money is good money. And you could take money, whether it's a, from, you know, whatever source, not all money is good money. And so if you have a strong conviction on your values and your partner, your funder is aligned with those values, that is the first step to success. And I think a lot of times when you're in entrepreneurship or you're in fundraising, you're so desperate to just get that money in the door to stay alive that sometimes you make bad decisions on what money to take and the people associated with that money and you don't have those values aligned conversations. And I, I think that's probably the most important step that people make. Mm, I love the phrase values align conversations. Mm -hmm. My dad has his, he's a sales trainer. He has a big consulting firm that works with large scale sales and procurement teams. And it's all about finding those values Mm -hmm. getting in a place where both people feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like it's an area of growth Mm -hmm. and then serving the other person's needs known and unknown to help them Mm -hmm. get to the next level. So yes. he is always in the back of my ear when I'm pitching business or <laughs> I don't know, potential collaborations. Cause it, I mean, who wouldn't want their job to be made easier and who wouldn't want to look better without putting in any effort? Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, starting a nonprofit and, and launching it from, you know, from a you know, and we're six, almost seven years old, and we've grown every year. You know, we couldn't do that if we didn't have the relationships and the trust and respect from our funders. And you only you only keep that respect if um, you have that values alignment. I want to make a distinction of entrepreneurship that I that I'm starting to pick up in this conversation. I never mm-hmm. really thought about it, but there's almost like a founding member as an entrepreneur, like you working Mm. with Hunger Lab since the beginning and then also starting your own thing. And so Mm -hmm. for those that are listening that feel like they have entrepreneurship in their blood, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. it's a curse. Good luck. (laughs) It is a curse. (laughs) You just can't not do it. Yeah. How would you, I don't know, what would you say to those that are like craving to start something, but maybe don't want to do it on their own? Like, what did that process look like for you? What would you advocate that they do or not do if they're looking to start something with someone else or like be a founding member ish type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my first thing would just say, would just to be follow your passion, follow your passion, follow your passion. And it's like, as cliche as it comes, but if you stick with that coupled with like core values alignment. So I'm getting, I'm going back to that. Your um, own message, you, Becca. You, yeah, you like cannot lose. Like you cannot lose. And I truly mean that because if I think back to all of the, I've had like a really 
I've done a lot of stuff in my career, like random stuff. And I always did it at like weird times and times that never made sense. But it was because I was passionate about either the work I was doing or the people I was doing it with. And, you know, it, and that's, that's like, that's like the best things in life. So how are you not going to be successful if you can be working on something that you're passionate about or people that you're passionate about working with? I know it's not as simple as that. It's like not as simple as that. And I'm so know that, but you have to be able to, you know, be, you know, be a little risk averse and take the leap, you know, and just, and just try it and just do it. Do it when you're in a situation that you have the moment or the opportunity to take the risk. I mean, I think that's the other thing too. And you need to also be thinking, the one other thing that I would say is that I'm constantly thinking about is what next? Mm -hmm. What's next? Like what company could I work for? What organization would I, would, would I go look for? I always ask myself, what might a, like, what is a role that they might not have already? Because I do a lot of pitching my own role, which is interesting. Yes. And that comes from a lot of like, what are the things that you do because you have to? And I ask Hark this all the time. The poor man is like, shut up, Katie. Um, But I used to ask him, like, what are the things that, like, that prevent you from doing and realizing your full potential? And like, could I take some of those on? Yes, absolutely. But you have to stay curious and you have to always be thinking, like, what would I do next? What could I do next? I'm constantly thinking, like, if I ever, if and when I leave Bunker, what brand would I want to go work for? What job mm-hmm. would I want to do? What What have I not done yet? And I'm at this point where I'm like, I've kind of, I haven't done everything, but I've done almost like all the things that college age Becca could have ever dreamed of doing. Wow. So what is next for you? Or that I wanted to do. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, I, I said to, I said to a friend last night, I was like, you know what? Peloton. I said, I like their brand. Like I get it. I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm, I get it. Like this, this fitness, this community, this like therapy, like their energy, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a cool brand. I'm like, I would love to maybe work for an alcohol brand because alcohol brands are always winning. Like for the most part, you know, like you're thinking of like fail safe brands, especially during a pandemic, right? Especially during a pandemic, you know, (laughs) the two Um, sides, right? The equilibrium, right? Exactly. You need a little of both. Um, Happy medium, you know, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I, you know, I, I came to the realization probably a couple years ago, I started getting the five-year itch. I've only ever been sort of at a place for about five years. And that's my entrepreneurial spirit. I get like the tingly fingers and I need to move on. But what I realized for this role, for Bunker, for me is I had to stay in this role to grow as a leader. And I had to not go on to become another builder or another launch. Like I needed to stay and I needed to build the team. I needed to stay to like offer my leadership experience for the, the leadership team and the organization. And that felt difficult because it's not necessarily what I thought maybe I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of go on and do the next big thing. Yeah. Or how you're energetically wired, right? Like we had a yeah. conversation before about strength scope and I've been learning a lot about that tool. And it's like, I am an, I am a creative, like a creativity addict. Like I love bringing things to life. And so I know a lot mm-hmm. of my work is around like, like you, Becca, is just like staying in it and like going deeper rather than sort of running to the next creative thing, the next insight. Yes, for sure. And so sometimes you have to, 
Yeah, it's like I honor that and I bring I bring that energy to the organization and to my team. But it's yeah, I'm like, you know what, in order to grow, I need to actually stay here. And and mm-hmm. it's and and that's what's been happening. So that's incredible. But yeah, always be thinking, always be thinking about what you want to do next. I love that. And as our, mm-hmm. on our episode, I think that will come up before you. Chris Chapiak says, always have a side hustle. Like always have something yeah. else that's working for you. And that's a lot of what we preach at. And I, I need to get Todd Connor on the, on our podcast. Cause yes, yes, the you man do. for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and the side hustle it can be a really great outlet for that, that energy mm-hmm. for sure. And I think now as people are feeling like, you know, within the last year, their lives have gotten much smaller. You know, I used to be in airports all the time and traveling and going to events and doing all these things where I could fuel my kind of extroverted creative self. Yeah, definitely this last year, I've had to do a lot of creative introspection and uh, trying to find some other ways to fulfill that, that itch and that need, that entrepreneurial spirit. I love that. So Mm -hmm. as we wrap up this awesome conversation, thank you so much for these nuggets of wisdom. I'm wondering if there is something you want to share or a way for people to get in touch with you if if they have questions, like any sort of information project, contact information you want people to know about. Yeah, I would love to talk to anyone. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I just, I love to connect with people. Um, it is certainly relationships and connecting with people are how I feel my energy. So you can find me on Instagram at just Becca Keedy and feel free to reach out to me and message me there. Um, it's a pretty good snippet of my personal and professional life. You can check out bunkerlabs.org for more work or more information on the work that I do uh, helping the military connected community start and grow small businesses. And yeah, that's basically where I hang out. So I'd love to chat with anybody that has more questions or would like to set up a time to chat. Y'all, you should follow up with Becca on that. She is, (laughs) I'm not kidding, one of the best fundraisers I have ever met. She's magic. So you'd be silly to not reach out to her and at least schedule a conversation to pick her brain about how she does what she does so extraordinarily well. So before we sign off, Mike and I love to do this thing where we recap the conversation and have our guests and ourselves share one piece that we'd like people to walk away with. So from this conversation, what is like the, the point that you want to land? Or I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like, what do you want people to walk away with and know? Yeah, I would just say to be fearlessly authentic in following your passion and being yourself. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to try to bring some levity and fun into your life, into your work. There's so much seriousness going on in the world that a little lightheartedness and a lot of love goes, you know, a long way. I love that. And I want to reiterate your part and your insight around crafting a story for fundraising. Like how can you tap into your power of empathy and what the other person needs, wants, and desires to create a story that lands and that moves your mark on hopefully dollars of amount raised. Yes. That's yep. That's very important to do for sure. Yeah. So Becca, it was such a pleasure to hang out with you in this sort of virtual setting. I really miss spending time with you and thank you for showing up and sharing your brilliance with us all. Oh, thank you, Katie. I know. Hopefully we'll see each other in person again soon. And this was so fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Live Your Truth Now. I hope you enjoyed it. 
If you know someone that is looking to raise money for their business, please share this episode. Please get in touch with Becca, Becca Keaty at on Instagram, K-E-A-T-Y. We can put that in the show notes. And we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Arlissal Visualize Innovation. It is a transformative boutique consulting firm that will help you take you from your sort of blurred vision, your confusion, your sort of stuckness of where you are today and provide that visual pathway, literally a roadmap to help you achieve where you want to go with confidence and creativity and inspired action. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.